Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Wednesday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church. So appreciate you tuning in every day and listening. And we truly hope that this brings hope to your heart. You know, the whole purpose of the broadcast is to encourage you, to encourage you in your day-to-day walk with the Lord. You know, I discovered something about people. Everybody is having a hard time. And sometimes we think, well, it's just me having a hard time. Well, I want you to know life is filled with seasons. You know, just as our, our lives are filled with seasons of the year, you know, have fall and you have winter and spring and summer, we have seasons in our lives. There are some days where life seems to come together nicely. There are other days you wonder, how in the world did I find myself in this mess? There are some days you feel like you're on the top of the world. There are other days that you're down in the dumps. I would encourage you today to be authentic. But before I talk about being authentic in order to be accepted, I've got to finish up what we started yesterday. We yesterday talked about the opportunities to share the gospel, and we talked about the fact that Jesus had some ways of sharing the gospel. And uh, as I look at these ways, these ways are really powerful when you think about them, and these are ways that will help you to be all that God wants you to be when it comes to this matter of sharing the gospel. We talked about the fact that you ought to team up with somebody when you share the gospel. Don't go it alone. God designed us to be in community with others and his power together. Then we talked about the fact that we ought to be praying. Before you share the gospel with somebody, you ought to be praying the Lord of the harvest. Pray that he will send forth laborers. We talked about the power of teamwork and praying together. We talked about the fact that as we pray for somebody, the Spirit of God actually goes ahead of us. And then when it comes to this matter of sharing the gospel, we talked about keep on going. You see, when you share the gospel, you never know where you are with that person. There is a law, and it's called the law of seven hearings. Most people, before they get saved, will hear the gospel seven times. Now, I know some people get saved first time they hear it. Some people hear it 20 times before they get saved. The, on average, a person will hear the gospel clearly presented seven times before they respond. So keep on going because you never know where you are with that person. I think about a man that came back to our church. This man was in our church 20 years ago. And he was uh, a guy that was having some struggles. And his struggles caused him to drop out of church. He felt like he was too big of a hypocrite to come back to church. And so he just stopped coming. You know, he called me not too long ago. And he says, I would like to come back. Can I come back? I said, sure, you're always welcome to come on back. That guy got saved. What happened? He never got saved 20 years previously. He got saved and he realized, I need to go back to that church. He had heard the gospel, but he never responded to the gospel. I want you to know, you never know where you are when it comes to sharing the gospel with people. So just keep on going, realizing that we're going to be going out as lambs among the wolves, but God will empower us. We talked about using kind words and being focused as we share the gospel. We talked about using every available means to reach every available person. When you think about being focused, I love hanging around focused people. Now, sometimes they seem to be a little rude, and and they're not intentionally being rude. Uh, Sometimes they are just super focused. Super focused people are the ones to get things done. 
When you think about people who are super focused about sharing the gospel, they find a way somehow, some way to get the gospel out. Well, here's the fifth thing that we must keep in mind if we're going to be involved in soul winning. Number five is you got to be perceptive. In other words, you got to know where God is moving. Jesus says, when you enter into a house, first say, peace to this house. If somebody who is promoting peace is there, your peace will rest upon them. If not, it will return to you. So we got to see the big picture. See what God is doing. Discernment has many collateral benefits. The book of Proverbs, Solomon says, My son, perceive sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you, an ornament of grace around your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you won't be afraid. When you lie down, you will sleep, and your sleep will be sweet. Just as Solomon sought discernment and wisdom, Jesus says, as you enter into a house, and that peace is on that house, and they promote peace, your peace will rest upon them. In other words, they are receiving the gospel. They are receptive to the peace of the gospel. You make this connection with them. If they are not promoting peace or not receiving this peace, then you leave. You take your peace with you. Solomon sought discernment and wisdom, and he did it so that he could explore the handiwork of God, so that he could see meaning in life. We should be believers who seek wisdom that comes from a heaven. You see, as we study Scripture, we're able to make wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That's not me saying that. That's Paul saying that to young Timothy. Paul says, as you study the Scriptures, you're able to be wise and that wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So we should pray that God allows us to be discerning. In Psalm 119, 125, it says, maybe this is a good way to pray, as a matter of fact. I am your servant. Give me discernment that I may understand your statures. As you look at soul winning, so many times our message falls flat, not because the message is not powerful, but because we are presenting it to somebody who is not ready to receive it. Number six, as you share the gospel, you must be gracious to those you are sharing the gospel with. As we continue on, Jesus says, stay there, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and you're welcomed, eat what is ever offered to you. Oh, this is really important. Have you ever gone on a mission trip? Sometimes things are going to be presented to you and you're like, I'm going to eat this. Jesus says, eat what is ever offered to you. Why? Because many times, especially if you're on a mission trip to a third world country, they are making a profound sacrifice to give you that food. And for you not to receive that food is like a slap on the face to them. They said, we gave you the best of what we have, and you don't even appreciate it. Be gracious. As you are sharing the gospel of grace, we should be gracious in how we share that gospel. And then number seven, back up that graciousness by being a blessing. We are told to heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. 
This is setting aside some of the liberties that we have in order to be a blessing to others. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 9.19. He says, Though I am free and I belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone so that I may win as many as possible. You know, sometimes we do things at our church and, and people say, why, why are we doing that? I don't think we ought to do that. And I will quote this verse to them, that I am free and I belong to no one. I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. In other words, I am going to get out of my comfort zone and maybe do something that is out of my comfort zone so that I can win as many as possible. That is being a blessing, passing that blessing on. Number eight, you got to be honest. Jesus says, whoever listens to you listens to me, but whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. Oh, this is such a help to me as I'm sharing the gospel, because many times we take it personally. We're thinking, well, they don't like me. That's why they rejected the gospel. Jesus says, no, no, no. If you are sharing the gospel and they listen to you, it's like them listening to him. But if they reject you, it's like they rejected him. They're rejecting Christ. Honesty involves knowing who is receptive to the gospel, but it also involves my motivation for what I do and why I do what I do. I want to ask you a question, and it's the same question that Paul asked the believers at Corinth. Are you using your gifts of the Spirit to build up the church? The gifts that God has given us should be used to glorify God, to build up the church, to share the gospel. Well, number nine, if you're going to be a successful soul winner, you must be filled with joy when you do it. The 72 returned with joy, and Jesus said to them, Don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice because your names are written down in heaven. Oh, what an encouragement Jesus is to the disciples. Be joyful. Do it anyway. Somebody wrote these words. People are unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish and ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness may make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest people with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest people with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. People favor underdogs, but they follow only top dogs. Fight for an underdog anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People that really need help often will attack you if you help them. Help them anyway. Give the world the best you've got, and you'll be kicked in the teeth. Give the best you have anyway. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is the good news, and we should share it with joy, because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Well, I've got one final point that we must remember as we are sharing the gospel. We must be expecting God to work. Jesus said to the disciples, Blessed are the eyes of those that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see, but they did not see it. And to hear what you hear, 
but they didn't hear it. Expect people to get saved. A guy came up to D.L. Moody one day and says, why is it that when you preach, people get saved, and when I preach, people don't get saved? D.L. Moody says, well, you don't expect people to get saved every time you preach, do you? And that preacher says, no, I don't. He says, that's your problem. D.L. Moody says, every time I preach, I give the gospel, and I expect people to be saved. You know, as you think about expecting great things from God, there is a crown that we get by being a soul winner. It is called the soul winner's crown. I hope that you'll be receiving that crown. I hope that you'll receive it because you have been faithful in giving the gospel to those who don't know Christ. Now, as you think about sharing the gospel, there's got to be an authenticity about you when you share the gospel. Being authentic allows us to be accepted. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. Another way of saying that is, blessed are those who are genuine. Blessed are those who are authentic. You see, the quality of being genuine and being real. So many times we get in the habit of pretending, or we are being fake. As a matter of fact, it is so ingrained in us that we probably don't even notice it most of the time. We are so conditioned to want to be impressive and appear that we have this perfect life together. I don't want to be disappointing to you, but genuineness and authenticity is how the gospel should be presented. When you think about blessed are the pure in heart, the Bible nowhere presents an instance where lying is considered the right thing to do. The Ninth Commandment prohibits us from bearing false witness. It lists a lying tongue and a false witness and one who pours out lies as two of the seven abominations to the Lord. Love, on the other hand, rejoices with the truth. When we think about lying, we cannot be genuine when we are lying. But as you think about instances in the Bible... You know, there are at least two instances in the Bible where lying produced favorable results. For example, the lie that the Hebrew midwives would tell Pharaoh seems to result in the Lord blessing them in Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 to 21. It probably saved the lives of many babies. Uh, We know at least one baby that was saved who went on to be a famous redeemer of God's people. His name was Moses. Another example is Rahab. Rahab lied to protect the Israelite spies in Joshua chapter 2. It is important to know, however, that God never condones these lies, despite the positive outcome of these lies. The Bible nowhere praises the lies themselves. The Bible nowhere states that there are instances where lying is the right thing to do. At the same time, The Bible does not declare that there is no possible instances in which lying is an acceptable option. The question then remains, is there ever a time when lying is the right thing to do? The most common illustration of this dilemma comes from the life of Corey ten Boon. Corey ten Boon was living in a Nazi-occupied Holland. Essentially, the story is this. Corey ten Boon is hiding Jews in her home to protect them from the Nazis. Nazi soldiers come to her home, ask her if she knows where any Jews are hiding. What is she to do? 
Should she tell the truth and allow the Nazis to capture the Jews that she is trying to protect? Or should she lie and deny that she knows anything about them? In an instant such as this, where lying may be the only possible way to prevent a horrible evil, perhaps lying would be an acceptable thing to do. Such an instance would be somewhat similar to the lies of the Hebrew midwives and the lies that Rahab gave. In an evil world and in a desperate situation, it may be the right thing to commit a lesser evil lying in order to prevent a much greater evil. However, it must be noted that such instances are extremely rare. It is highly likely that the vast majority of people in human history have never faced a situation in which lying was the right thing to do. Jesus talks about this pure heart, and he talks about pure intentions. So today and the remaining minutes that we have in our time together, I want to talk to you about a divided heart. And I want to explain to you what a divided heart looks like and what happens if we have a divided heart. And I'm beginning by giving you a statement, you might have a divided heart if you're jealous of somebody. That is, if you are facing rejection. In Acts chapter 4, we, we see that Joseph was a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas. So here we see a convert in the early church in the book of Acts. His name was Joseph, but his name actually was changed to Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field, and he brought the money, and he put it at the apostles' feet. There was also another man named Ananias together with his wife, Sapphira, and they also sold the piece of property. Now, this is really incredibly stupid when you think about it. Here we have a couple who is so jealous of Barnabas and the attention that he is receiving that they wrongly assume that Barnabas is only getting attention and respect because he has sold a piece of property and given that money from that property to the church. The proceeds from that land was given to the church. So in an attempt to mislead the congregation into thinking that they are quote-unquote godly, godly like Barnabas is, they pretend to sacrifice like Barnabas sacrificed. Now I want you to know something. You do not convince anyone you are godly when you are driven by deception and jealousy. When you are wrongly motivated, you will always get the wrong results. This is a godly principle that we are learning. We are learning that Christian leaders are different. We are not motivated by deception or jealousy. In Ephesians chapter 4, we are told to put off falsehood. Let every one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. But he who makes his ways crooked will be found out, says Proverbs 10, 9. James tells us that we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only, because if we only hear the word and we don't do the word, we actually deceive ourselves. In James 4, 1, it says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it that you have this passion that is at war within you? You want something that you can't get? James also reminds us that pure religion involves the broadening of our tongue, but false religion is based on deception within a heart. As we think about this matter of deception, how could Ananias and Sapphira 
gotten to the point that they thought they could deceive the whole church. You know, there are three types of people that God uses to make us more like Jesus. I need to be one. I need to find one of these people in my life. First of all, Jesus understood that he wanted people to be like him. So he gives us human examples. I love what Paul says. Paul says, will you follow me, but only follow me as I follow Christ. So first of all, we need an example like Paul. Paul gave that strong example. You know, I think about the pastors in our community. I'm so thankful for the pastors in the Hanthor Rose community. You know, we have some really godly examples of men of God in our community. I'm so thankful for some of them because they have provided an example of how to be godly leaders, godly pastors, godly fathers. I'm so grateful to my parents who provided a godly example of Jesus to me. And if you're honest, God has placed godly people all over the place if you're willing to follow them. We all need an example like Paul. We secondly all need an encourager like Barnabas. Barnabas takes Saul to the apostles. He told them all about Saul's journey. He said that Saul had been seen by the Lord. He told how the Lord had spoken to Saul. Barnabas also said that Saul had preached without fear in Jesus' name to Damascus. We see that Barnabas encourages Saul. Saul needed that encouragement. His name is now Paul, once he's converted. And the reason he needed that encouragement is because as he came into the church, there were many who were fearful and quite skeptical of Paul. I mean, you think about it after all. What better way to destroy a church? Pretend to be converted. Go into that church and wreak havoc from the inside out. That's what the church was afraid of when the Apostle Paul came along. They knew that he was a notorious terrorist, a killer of the church. I mean, it was Paul who ordered the stoning of Stephen. He held the garments of Stephen. So the church was rightfully fearful of Paul. But Barnabas comes along and says, you know what? I've checked out Saul, who's now Paul, and I have watched him. I have seen him. He is the real deal. He encouraged Paul. We need an example like Paul. We need an encourager like Barnabas. We also need an exhorter like Peter in our lives. Peter is the one that we can so easily identify with. In Acts chapter 2, we learn that with many other words, he warned them, that's Peter, and he pleaded with them, and he said, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 of them were added to their number that day. Oh, I love Peter. The reason I love Peter is because he messed up often, but he was also a great exhorter. In 1 Peter chapter 5, he says to the elders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. And Peter says to these elders, here's what I want to encourage you to do, or here's what I want to exhort you to do. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under you watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. You see the exhortation that Peter is giving? 
He says, don't do this because you must. Do it because you want to, because you're willing. Be eager to serve, not because of the gain that you get. Don't lord over them, these who have been entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, when he comes, you're going to receive that crown of glory that will never fade. Well, you might have a divided heart today if you're driven by jealousy. You also might have a divided heart if you're driven by greed, if you're greedy for something. I want us to quickly look at Acts chapter 5, verse number 2. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and he put it at the apostles' feet. For who knows that person's thought except the spirit that lives within them? Here we see Ananias and Sapphira, they knew fully what they were doing. They were in agreement because they were driven by greed. But you know, as you look at this whole greed matter, greed is a terrible cancer. If you're greedy for something, you will have a divided heart. You won't be able to give yourself completely over to the Lord. You're gonna to wanna to have your cake and eat it too. Well, there's one final thing that we must cover that I'm gonna cover over the last few minutes of the broadcast. I want you to know that if you're controlled by jealousy, you won't be all that God wants you to be. If you're controlled by greed, you won't be all that God wants you to be. If you're controlled by fear, you won't be all that God wants you to be. That is, I'm afraid that I'm gonna be exposed. Please join me tomorrow as I develop that last point and we talk about how we can overcome fear. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.